Hello and welcome to the Q Club podcast with me, your host, Kev Teasdale. My guest today is Germany snooker professional Lucas Kleckers. Lucas has had a mixed run of form, but big wins against Neil Robertson and a 4 0 whitewash of Mark Selby only this year has made him a name players would like to avoid. Before we start, please take a moment to like or share this podcast, be it on social media or via your podcast provider. This will enable the channel to grow and reach a wider audience, allowing more people the chance to get to know more about Lucas. Lucas Kleckers, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and have a chat. How have you been? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, looking forward to it and thanks for the invitation. Yeah. Absolutely no problem at all. Um, what's it been like for you? Uh, we are going through an extremely strange time in the whole of the world. Um, the UK, as well as Germany, are on really, really tight restrictions at the moment. Regarding yourself and being someone who usually has to travel a lot of the time of the year to different places, what's it been like for you and, and how's it kind of affected your life, Lucas? Um, actually, I'm quite lucky. I mean, um, the season, of course, it was a little bit different, but mm. um, I could play all the tournaments and uh, I didn't have to quarantine myself uh, before the tournaments or coming to the UK. I didn't have to quarantine with the special rules for elite elite athletes. Um, so it was actually it was quite good for me that um, yeah all these rules uh, World Snooker did for us or helped us with the traveling. Yeah, uh, yeah they really helped us to make it as easy as it's possible. So it's been really um, a tough for World Snooker. Um, I've spoke to other not just uh, to, to players but to referees as well, and uh, they've said I think they've done an unbelievable job, especially over the last few months with you know the testing that has to be that has to be done and everything like that to get to, well to make it as safe as possible for not just for not just them but for the for the players as well. I mean, how have you found playing without kind of crowds and everything? Does it does it seem to bother you or is it not really uh, has it not really affected you? Um, actually, I'm I'm not very sure. I mean, of course, it's nice to go to go to different venues and see uh, different places and play there and play in front of crowds. Yeah. But um, yeah, I go to the tournaments to enjoy playing, to play my best game. So the crowd is a is a nice side effect. But um, I'm very grateful that we can play tournaments at this mm. time. So that's the main thing for me so yeah. and sometimes it can help sometimes it's a bit more pressure when you have spectators and sometimes yeah that can even help yeah i've noticed a few players have said that i think that's why a lot of there's a lot more 147s going in there's a lot of really yeah. high breaks going in because some people like to play to the crowd um, and they're maybe not doing as well as they usually do and other players who are unbelievable in practice on their own um, and then when they come to these matches the it kind of feels like a practice game so they're they're knocking in these really high breaks all the time and yeah i think stephen Maguire won a competition and he said he said it just felt like being at home and it didn't even feel like being in a competition do you feel that when you're out there not so much i have to say but of course uh we play all the tournaments in milton Keynes, yes. and uh, yeah when you have uh, three four tournaments it feels already like um yeah it feels like you're at uh, at the practice venue a little bit so it takes a bit the pressure off like in the last tournaments i didn't feel the pressure like usually when i go to a tournament everything is quite new even if i were the if i was there like a year ago or something like that yeah so yeah so you're a former multiple national champion at both senior and underage levels uh, where did it start for you lucas how old were you when you when you picked up a cue for the first time i think the first time i played billiards uh, i was like nine years old nine. 
and um, yeah, I entered the club when I was ten years old. So yeah, long way a, since then. Was it was it kind of an immediate love? Did as soon as you saw the table, did you would be a good straight away? Could you tell? Um, I, I felt like that's a game that suits me. I played I played pool billiards at the beginning. Yes. Um, but when, when I see a snooker table at the first time, I was so excited about that. And when I played for the first time, I knew that was that was really perfect for me. Yeah. Um, still, however, I didn't play that much at the beginning when I was very young. Yeah. But um, yeah, it became more and more with the time. So. Yeah. What other sports were you into at a young lad? Young age. Um, I actually, I a little bit later after I found out about snooker, I started playing table tennis. And yeah. I played that quite a lot. Yeah. And I was uh, before I played them both sports. I played a lot of football. So, yeah, yeah. there's a Always lot of them. Um, a lot of football. A lot of football. Who do you support? Um, I don't really support a team, but yeah. uh, like I support Bayern Munich when when they play champion Championship League. Yeah, a lot of um, a lot of uh, players, snooker players, they usually find that they enjoy playing kind of games with hand-eye coordination. They love they love darts. They love pool. They love golf. A lot of them seem to kind of get drawn towards those games with, yeah, with that, that use a lot of hand-eye coordination. Do you find yourself uh, enjoying those games as well? What do you like at golf? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I couldn't play a lot of golf uh, so far, but I think if I have more time, I would start playing there because uh, it's yeah, it's like in snooker. When you hit the ball very good, it's a very nice feeling and it's similar in golf. So, yeah. yeah. People say they can do a full round of golf and play absolutely terrible. And then the last shot, hit one good shot, and that's it. It makes up for the whole day. <laughs> yeah, I can agree with that, yeah. <laughs> was there, did, were you into snooker when watching snooker growing up? Did you have any kind of inspirations in snooker? Or like you said, did it, was it just something that you picked up a bit later in life? Um, I Actually, I watched uh, snooker quite a lot on, on TV when I was young. I mean, I'm so lucky that we have so much coverage. Yeah. On the TV, um, yeah, I remember I watched Paul Hunter at the beginning. I remember when he passed away. That was just when I began. Yeah, and um, yeah, that was always something I wanted to do. Yeah. Always, already in the beginning. Yeah. What were you like academically at school? Were you were you good, or did you just want to be aware and play in snooker? Um, I was all right in school. I always said myself, yeah, uh, school is priority. I have to finish school properly. And then whatever happens with snooker, with sports, uh, we will see then. Yeah. Yeah. So after I finished school, I said to myself, now I got, uh, I, I finished school. So let's give snooker a try and do it full time. Yeah. Oh, and, was it, and that was kind of the moment where you thought, right, this is when I've left school. I've done what I've had to do. And now I'm going to kind of basically concentrate on making this kind of me life and be a professional. Um, yeah, I said myself, um, let's try it for a year or maybe two years. And then uh, if that doesn't work out, I go to university. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think it was then three years. And then uh, I, I started going to university because I didn't qualify in these three years. But suddenly uh, uh, when there was the last tournament, I tried to go to uh, enter the pro tour. And I said to myself, OK, if I don't do it now, I'm going to put my focus more on un university. Yeah. And that's just when I when it was 2017 and I got through Q school. So yeah. that's 
how it goes sometimes. It does. And then, you know, at Pro 21, uh, immediate impact, only your second match as a pro at the Riga Masters, and you come up against, who do you come up against? Your defending champion, Neil Robertson. 3-2 uh, down, not the best position to be in, and uh, yeah, dug in and, uh, and got rid of Neil, which was obviously at the time must have been an unbelievable uh, confidence booster for yourself. Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, when I went, when I entered the uh, main tour, I didn't really know what to expect. And then just like in the first proper tournament, that happened when I beat Neil Robertson. It, was, it wasn't feeling real. And I think that's still my proudest moment. I, I, yeah. I'm still looking back to that moment. And I said, that was one of the best moments of my life. But you must have you've, you must have had a lot of confidence in your own game, though. To kind of, like you say, to, to you've you've just turned pro, and you think, and you know, to me, second game in, you've really got nothing to lose. Um, and obviously, we've seen like you're an unbelievable break builder. So you coming into that game is yeah, with absolutely nothing to lose. I don't think Neil would have been taking the game easy because he was a defending champion. So uh, yeah. yeah, I can understand how a, a win like that would give you nothing but confidence. Definitely. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think. Um, the, the other thing was just I didn't really know what to expect because I didn't have any uh, any experience on the mm-hmm. pro tour, but that was obviously was a big confident confidence boost, and I knew everything is possible. You can beat anyone there if if the day is good, if you have the right form, and if everything is going the right way for you. Yeah. So I mean, at the time as well, being the first German on the main tour since Patrick Einsel, did that bring with it its own kind of weight of expectation as well? Did you feel anything like that? Mm, I wouldn't say no. so, because I think in Germany, I, I know many people support me here. Uh, mm. I, there's a big snooker community. They all support me, but I also know that they love snooker and um, they don't, like snooker doesn't rely on one person in Germany. So yeah. that's that's the way I think it is. And that takes a bit of pressure off me. So, so yeah, but like you've just mentioned there, um, kind of beating Neil, Sean, kind of on the main stage that you were capable of uh, beating, beating anybody. Now you must have thought, right, okay, I've made the right decision here now. This is the right decision I've made. I've played possibly one of the greatest players in the world. Well, he's number two in the world at the moment. And it's kind of like, right, okay, I can beat him at his own competition, which he's a defending champion. You know, mm-hmm. bring me anybody, I'll beat anybody on, the, uh, on me day. Yeah, I know, yeah. yeah. That's what I thought after that, yeah. But then I, I remember the season go goes on and then I experienced what it can be on the tour, so... I remember, apart from that thing against Neil, I always remember the first time that I, I saw you properly was watching you against Ronnie. Um, he went two in the loop. Ronnie brings his own... His own crowd, his own maddening crowd, obviously. Everybody's cheering him. You went out, and in that third frame, you knocked an unbelievable total clearance, 137. And, um, I don't think it was a shock to many people who would kind of been watching your career that you were capable of doing that. But I think for everybody watching, everybody's tuned in to watch Ronnie, uh, and then for you to do that on the big stage. Now, that must have been a great feeling as well, to show what you're yeah. capable of. That was awesome. I, I just remember like it was yesterday just when i got the draw that i'm going to play ronnie in the event that was already uh <laughs> unbelievable for me because that's what you dream of yeah uh like all the amateur time that you play ronnie on a big crowd and um yeah i can i can remember the match very very well 
uh, I didn't do a lot of a lot of stuff wrong in the first frames. Yeah. He just played unbelievable. He didn't he didn't miss. I didn't get any chances. So I was two 0 down, and I thought, yeah, I mean, all other players also would be two 0 down now. So yeah, yeah, you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that took a bit of pressure off me, and then I got my first chance, and then yeah, kept going. Yeah. Uh, so in effect, I mean, what I've noticed there, I mean, lots of players struggle. Um, when it comes to playing um, players like Ronnie, um, not only because of the top players and extremely talented, but some players can have already let themselves get beaten before they've even started, uh, like mm-hmm. mentally. Um, so does I know other players I've spoken to that say that playing these top people like you, like your Ronnies and like your Neil Robertson and like your Mark Selvies, do, like some people that brings out their best game in them. And does that kind of does that resonate with you? Do you like the better the opponent, the higher the opponent, the more you kind of focus and and play that, or do you just can you play anybody? It doesn't really matter. Mm, I think sometimes it depends. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes it's it's pushes me. Yeah. Um I can't really say that. I think like the best example is James Cahill. He did so yes. well against so many good players and I think he's one of the best who can push himself against top players. Mm-hmm. Um I think I'm not exactly kind of that but um yeah, sometimes sometimes it worked out like in one of the last tournaments. Yeah, well, I was going to mention the Northern Ireland Open. Uh, you yeah. uh, you got drawn against uh, Mark Selby, which is obviously one of the biggest players on the planet, um, and you you won four nil. Now the same as we were talking before. I think the first um, the first frame could have gone either way, but the four nil. Um, yeah, that, he did basically what what you normally get. What you said happens to you. Uh, you didn't do anything wrong. He'll have been. He walked away from that game thinking I didn't do nothing wrong there at all. Lucas played absolutely fabulous and deserved the four 0 win. Yeah, I think so because um, yeah, like you said, the first frame I was still a bit lucky that I won that on the on the black, and that took all the pressure off me. Yeah, and um, yeah, it's always when when you're in a break, there are always like two or three critical balls who decide if you make a big break or if you don't. Yeah, and uh, on that day, I remember I remember all these balls. They they went in. They I had a good position for the next color and. Yeah. Everything was on the right place for me. So you didn't lose a cue ball once. Yeah, it was absolutely perfect break. Uh, like yeah. against that, but absolutely great, great, great to watch a player like that. And I think as well uh, against again, obviously Mark has such a a, a a big following in the snooker world. So there was a lot of people tuned in to watch Mark the same way a lot of people tuned into Roch Ronnie. So for you to kind of show that show your qualities against somebody that high up in the world uh, again must just kind of highlight the fact that you know that you you can do it no matter kind of any time really you can play the best players in the world and a 4-0 win that's not just that's not just crawling over the line that's a that's yeah. a that's a hammering so yeah that must have been must have been extremely another confidence boost moving on yeah 100 percent. and uh i remember on that day um i i was 3-0 up and i was the first time i realized i could win that match was when I was 3-0 up and I got a good chance when I was 50 in front. So because I always thought, oh, no, I'm playing Mark Selby. He likes to be 3-0 <laughs> down. So, um, yeah, just when I when I potted the match ball, I realized, oh, yeah, now I've done a really big thing. So, Did you feel confident was... going into the match? Um, yeah, I, I think so, because I played good in the round before. I beat a good Chinese player, Chan Bing Yu. Yeah. Uh, and had a couple of 50 plus breaks so um 
yeah, for for many players, it's always the biggest pressures in the first round, and um, so it's for me. So after I beat um, Chan Bing Yu, I I was a bit uh, delighted that yeah. I had my first round win. So um, I didn't feel that much pressure. I think I feel more pressure if I played Mark in the first round. Yeah, so. it was more kind of you were able to go out there and enjoy it more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. especially after the first frame, after I knew I have a frame on my board, so that and helped that, also. Yeah, but like you say, Mark, um, Mark has a habit of coming back at you, so you could doesn't matter how far ahead you've got to keep that level of that that level of yeah. concentration, and yeah, sort of put that match ball and think, oh, actually, I'm over the line here. Yeah, that must have been <laughs> like thank God for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember sometimes when you start thinking, oh, I could win that match, then there happens uh, mistakes that shouldn't happen. So mm. not this time. Yeah, yeah. It's like sometimes you make the mistake of looking at the scoreboard and thinking, oh, I'm near, I, I shouldn't have done that because now I've got maybe got a couple of balls to go and I should have just kept going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So what do you do, Lucas, when you're away from the table? What do you like to do to relax? Um, I'm still, I, I like to do uh, any kind of sports. Is it mm. like table tennis or squash or running? Yeah. And I still do a little university stuff, but uh, not too much because it's, it takes too much time if I do it like full time yeah. with the snooker. So yeah, kind of that stuff. What are you uh, doing at university? It's a uh, mechanical engineering, mechanical. which is quite much. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. If you, I'd say it's not bad to fall back on that, <laughs> but that's uh, that would take up a lot of your time if you're trying to do mechanical engineering as well as practice snooker. Yeah, I don't think that leaves much time for anything else, really. Yeah, when I turned pro the first time, um, 2017, I I tried to do both, like uh, practice a full day and then in the evening, like learning. But I found <laughs> out if I really do that, it doesn't help the tournaments and the exams. So yeah. I said. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what kind of, are you into like movies and TV box sets and stuff, if you have any time? Yeah, like movies, TV series. Yeah. 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 And uh, what but, type of music do you like to listen to? Um, it's very different. It's, um, it's I really like the old music yeah. from Michael Jackson, for example. Yeah, yeah. Well, like house and techno music. So... Yeah. So do you do yeah. that when, when you're practicing? Do you sometimes just have your headphones in and you can practice with a bit of bit of Michael Jackson on? Not really, because when I practice, I, I hate listening to music because ah. I feel like um, I can't really focus. Like I played one hour, then I'm, I forgot all the balls I played when I listened to music. So oh, right. it's quite weird. Some people have to listen to music, but I really hate it. <laughs> what's, your, um, what's your practice routines like? Lucas, do you, um, do you have your own set routines that you like to do? Yeah, I, I always try to practice like safety, long pots, and break building on positional play, and that's the three aspects. And then do different exercises for them. Yeah. Do you have uh, Do you have to go locally for a table, or do you have one uh, where you live? Um, I have one where uh, in a club where I live, so yeah. it's in the same city, so it's quite close. Yeah. Oh, nice. So you're just able to go there and have a bit of practice. Uh, yeah. You're still able to go there now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the club is shut, but uh, because uh, pro sports is still allowed, and I'm a pro, I'm the only one who can still practice here at the club, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I really think cool. I was I was talking to another player, Martin O'Donnell. I think he said that his club just gives him a key 
as well. He, he's unfortunately doesn't have one at home, but it's this. It's the next best thing. He said uh, he's just got the key. He can just he can let himself in, have a have a practice, and then yeah, it's uh, and there's nobody else there. It's kind. Of, it's basically like feeling like you've got one in your own house, really, because you're that close. Yeah, exactly. It feels like that. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I I don't really like to have a. I I wouldn't like to have a practice at my home because um, when you're at home, there are too many other things you can do. Yes. And nobody like uh, brings you to the practice table. That's why I like to be in a club. There are sometimes other people around and you don't get lazy. So yeah, it helps a lot. Yeah. Do you have anybody that you can practice with kind of along your standard? Um, not really. There are quite a good uh, uh, German players I play with. But um, yeah, at the moment, I'm also just practicing on my own. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what's your favorite kind of foods, Lucas? What do you like to eat? Um, I really like Thai food, Thai mm, food yes. and Italian food, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, and um, it all day. <laughs> and uh, I know we're going through a bit of a, uh, obviously the holidays for everybody's kind of being put on hold at the moment. But what's your favorite holiday destination? Where do you like to go if you're given the opportunity? Honestly, I'm not somebody who goes on holiday very yeah. often. But I think at one point I would love to go to the Maldives or yes. yeah, some place, some place like that. Get one of those, one of those big huts like that you see on the pictures. There, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And walk around the beach. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, what's your uh, goals for twenty twenty one, Lucas? What have you got? What's your plans? Um, I don't really set myself too many goals. I just try to play my best snooker. Yes. And um, at the moment, I'm quite happy with my game. Mm -hmm. um, the results still could be better. I'm not too happy with them. Um, some tournaments are quite good. Some are could be better. So I try to be more consistent. That's yeah. my main goal. I mean, hopefully the, the pandemic can... Um... Well, can do one over this next few, uh, over this next six months, and people can kind of get back to a bit more, a bit more, you know, a bit more normality. I think as well. And like you say, at the moment, you just you're just practicing on your own. Uh, so that that probably that won't be helping. I think it's a lot of players have said that at home, especially in the UK, that they're struggling with the practice partners, and because they, you know, yeah. so and then even if they've got one in the house, it's hard to practice because you need that much practice, you need that much sharpness, like you said, to keep you sharp. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully. Um, coming into the next year, things will kind of get back to a bit of normality with any luck. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I, I think it will still take a lot of time, yes. but I hope that for the next season that uh, it will kind of go back to normal, yeah. I was talking to Paul Collier uh, just a few days ago, and Paul was saying that um, that everything's kind of starting back up. I mean, there's not much of a break. You know, the Christmas, the Grand Prix's just finished, and then before the straight away within the space of well, just after January, you know, the, the kick straight back off for a new season. So there used to be a lot of break. Um, so there isn't much time to to kind of to know whether things are going to be back to normal. Things are certainly in the UK are not going to get back to normal within the next three, four, five months, I even think, because I think there's a possibility we're going to be going into tier four, that while well, most of us are going to be going into tier four uh, in January. So it'll take a lot longer for us to get back. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, as long as we've got that goal and World Snooker are doing what they can, I'm sure uh, I'm sure they'll still be able to put the, put the competitions on. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're doing a very good job at the moment in the last tournaments and... Um... They've shown it, so I think it looks good that uh, the season will go as as they planned it. So we'll go ahead now. Yeah. 
So what's Christmas like in the Clackers household? Is it a, um is it is it all full on Christmas lights everywhere? Is it more kind of relaxed? No, it's more kind of relaxed and um yeah, f- family is not that big, so uh, just a little Christmas dinner on the 24th, so that's basically it, so it's not too much, yeah. Not too much. Well, Lucas, you know, thanks for taking the time to come on the podcast. It's been it's been great having you on and having a chat with you. I wish you a wonderful, safe and, and a wonderful new year, and hopefully all the best for 2021. Hopefully catch up with you again. Uh, next year, uh, when you when you hit your, when you get your maiden ranking uh, event, that'll be good, and I'll give you a call. Uh, but apart from that, uh, I wish you a safe Christmas, and uh, thank you very much for coming on the podcast, Lucas. You too. Thank you very much. No worries, mate. Bye bye. I really hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for taking the time out to listen. I welcome feedback from my listeners, and would appreciate it if you could give this channel a star rating, leave a review, or both, as this would really help the channel to grow. Join me next time on the Q Club podcast.